Welcome to The Cosmic Calling, a podcast for spiritual entrepreneurs and creative souls on a mission to align their life and career with the cosmos. I'm Natalie Wallstein, career astrologer at Soulshine Astrology, and I hope you're ready to unlock your cosmic calling. Hello, friends. Today, I'm chatting with medium and animal communicator, Taya Strom. Taya connects to humans and animals, both living and past, and mentors others on how to do the same. She is the author of a beautiful new book called Animal Intuition, Communicating with Pets, Animal Spirits, and the Energies of the Natural World. Today, we're talking about how Taya awakened her ability to speak with animals and began doing this work professionally, and her tips on how you can communicate with your animal companions heart-to-heart and soul-to-soul. Let's get started. Hi, Taya. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You're kind of like a modern Snow White in that you can actually communicate with animals. And I would love to know, how did you discover that you can do this? I'm sure it's a really interesting story. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a long winding story too. So I was always interested in this sort of work. I was always very interested in psychics, mediums, uh, also witches, you know, dragons, that kind of thing. Uh, Anything to do with the world of Wu as I was growing up. And I was always free to explore it as I also luckily didn't come from a religious family or anything like that. Uh, I was always very very free to explore kind of whatever was interesting to me. And even though I was very interested in this sort of thing, I never personally had any particular significant experiences with it when I was little. So I, you know, I wasn't one of these who woke up to see my dead grandparents at the (laughs) end of my bed when I was little. So I also didn't really think that I myself could ever really do this work of mediumship or animal communication myself professionally. But I always kept up with my interest in it. And I read books throughout my teens. I went to metaphysical fairs every year. It was definitely a a big, big interest for me. Then when I was 18, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 2, which in retrospect was probably a misdiagnosis. But at the time, I tried medications for it for about a year. They weren't really working out for me. So I decided to stop the meds and approach it from a more holistic perspective. I continued with therapy, but I also did things like take meditation much more seriously. And through that process of meditating more consistently, I then started to have a couple of odd experiences of visits from random spirits, you know, loved ones that did not belong to me, other people's. And these were totally unsolicited visits from these spirits, freaked me out at the time. And so I started to think maybe it would be a good idea to take a class in mediumship or something similar, uh, just to learn to control it a bit. (laughs) And so I started to explore taking those classes, mediumship, psychic abilities, that sort of thing. And I was getting into a really good habit of going to practice circles, practicing a lot. And as far as the animal communication bit, I've always loved animals, always felt like I had a very deep 
connection to them, to the animals in my life. But again, I had no big experiences with it when I was little. But in that period of time in which I was doing much more mediumship, practicing a lot, I had some odd experiences with uh, our new adopted kitten at the time. I had only ever had cats that would just graze their food. They would never like empty their bowl, actually. They'd stop when they were full, you know, (laughs) and uh, we had just adopted this kitten. And uh, one day I was out doing errands and I happened to be driving by our home. And uh, as I was driving by our home, all of a sudden I had an image flash in my mind's eye of an empty food bowl. And I heard the words, I'm hungry in my mind's uh, ear. (laughs) And I thought that was very strange because it was so out of the blue. I was not thinking about my cat or anything like that. And I knew for a fact that that food bowl had been totally full when I had left in the morning. But just in case, I went home just to check. And obviously, the food bowl was fully empty. And our new kitten was sitting next to it very expectantly waiting for more food. (laughs) That was a little bit of an eye opener for me. And throughout the mediumship practice, I had the opportunity to try animal communication, you know, without it just being my cat talking to me. (laughs) I had the opportunity (laughs) to to try it out with somebody else's animal. And it felt so natural. It, It flowed so well for me. And I just fell completely in love with it really from that moment on. Um, and, and from there, the, the ball just continued to roll. That's so cool. So it was both you're interested in it and you're pursuing it, but then also finding out you actually kind of have a knack for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that I think a lot of people experience. You'll hear stories about people who have those like strong experiences when they're little, and as a teacher, I see that a lot of my students also come to me and they're they're really doubtful about their own abilities because they didn't have those same experiences that they hear other people have. There is this idea floating around out there about, you know, are you a, a, are you born a medium? Are you born a psychic? And if you're not, then it's artificial or I don't know. <laughs> There's a, there can be that idea there. And I think it can can get in the way sometimes. Mm-hmm. It can be discouraging for certain people to then develop their abilities. So for me, it was always drawn to it. And then through the process of exploring it more, uh, realizing that I that I could do it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this is something that everybody could do if they were committed to developing it? Yeah, I think in the same way that anybody can learn, for example, to play the piano and um, can even learn to play it really well. I think, of course, there are different people will have a, a certain knack for certain things just because of their the way they're made up. And, and maybe you can tell me also later, it's also the way the stars are aligned for them. Uh, but absolutely, I think being able to connect to other souls, being able to connect to animals that is something that I think everybody has as a part of who they are because we're all spirits within bodies. And um, it's a natural facet of us as beings to be able to do that. And so, yeah, putting in the effort of developing that if if a person wants to, um, I absolutely think anybody could do that. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear for sure. What do you think are some of the benefits of being able to communicate with animals? Like what are some of the things that you're able to help with or even their people with? Oh gosh, (laughs) so many things. 
And it, of course, always depends on the situation, but in its essence, animal communication really helps the understanding between everybody, you know, just helping everybody get on the same page. One of the things I often do in sessions with animal communication is I'm often actually just confirming a lot of the things that the person already knew or suspected, but they didn't really trust their own ability to connect to their animals too. So that's always a good benefit from it as well. Being able to confirm how closely connected people really are already with their animals and how much they're already communicating together. But generally, animal communication can help with, you know, understanding between all of us, but also help work through behavioral challenges, help an animal understand things from their human's perspective and help the human understand things from the animal's perspective. Mm -hmm. And that can help with like health issues, behavioral problems, and like pretty much everything, right? When you can communicate pretty much everything, then you know the problem about anything, right? (laughs) Yeah. Assuming the animal wants to talk about it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. I had a really interesting experience when I got my dog. I actually went to a workshop in Portland, Oregon. Isn't that where you live? Yes, that is. Yeah. I went to a workshop there. It was like Brian Weiss, who does a lot of past life work. And he had everybody in the whole room hold something that belonged to another person next to you. I didn't know anybody there. I just went because I was like guided to go. And the woman next to me held, I think, a ring of mine. And she said, I see this little dog with these pointy ears and it's white and fluffy and it has a little spot over here and a little black hair in its ear. And she was not psychic. Like she just got this information. And I saw something for her too, when I held her ring. And I was thinking, I don't have a dog. I wouldn't even like a dog like that. (laughs) Like, sorry to say. But then a year later, I was thinking about getting a dog and I had looked online at some of the dogs that were in the Humane Society and I saw this one dog and it wasn't a very flattering picture of her. So I was like, "Mm, I don't know. And then I was meditating and in all capital letters, like in my head, I was like, that's your dog. Go get her. (laughs) So it wasn't like the animal speaking to me necessarily, but it was definitely some kind of guide being like, that's your dog. Go get her. And I picked her up and literally as I was going to get her, somebody came in and they're like, is that the dog online? Like they were about to adopt my dog. So I wasn't planning on going there that day. I just knew I had to go right now. And even when I was visiting with her, I wasn't sure because she seemed really shy. Um, but over the few the next few weeks, I was able to get her to open up a bit more. But it was like, whoa, yeah, it just feels like we're really destined to be with our pets. And it's so much more magical than we think it is. Like we think we're rescuing them, quote unquote, but they're actually really helping us too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that story. Mm-hmm. So I have your birth chart here and I just wanted to point out some of the things on there that show how this is so what you're meant to be doing. <laughs> and it's always cool to see that because everybody has such unique birth charts. And I think like you said, everyone can connect with animals, but you've made this your profession and you go all in with it. Like you've written a book, you mentor people on it. So 
of course, it's going to show up really strongly in your chart. And on your birth chart, your Aries sun, and that means you express yourself the best when you're bringing a sense of vitality and passion to other people or creatures, we'll say, <laughs> other beings. <laughs> and your moon is in Virgo. And Virgo has a lot to do with removing the blocks and barriers that get in the way of us living a more efficient and enjoyable lifestyle. So it does point to kind of like helping with health and vitality, but Virgo also has to do with like being a caretaker of other beings, animals, people, and making sure that their needs are really cared for. Like your one of your first messages was like, I'm hungry, right? Like it seems so basic, but <laughs> it creates the sense of trust when an animal knows like they're going to get fed, right? Like it's like how we feel if we're hangry, we're not going to be very trusting or happy with the people around us. Yeah. <laughs> so it can seem like you're helping with really basic things sometimes, but in everything that you do and everything that you share, what you're really doing as a Scorpio rising is for you to bring about a transformation by getting to the core of what's really going on deep down for someone or something. And sometimes we don't want to know about some of these deeper issues. Like sometimes it might be easier to not know what your pet is saying because <laughs> then you'd have to do something about it. And I'm sure there are some situations too where it's not always pretty, the messages that come up you can hold space for that as a Scorpio rising. It's not going to be, there's nothing that's going to be too weird or uncomfortable for you because you almost like thrive on understanding where things really come from because then you can solve it or change it. Yes, that is so good to hear. Definitely the not shying away from things. It can be tricky sometimes to deliver some messages, but um, yeah. And I also connect to animals that have passed away as well. And so there's a lot of talk about death and and all the heavy topics around that. And uh, I find that's, that's a huge, huge, huge thing that comes up a lot. Yeah. And Scorpio is really intuitive too, because you do read between the lines just naturally. And yeah, it makes sense. It's cool because your chart really does show like you're not just meant to help people like you are meant to care for animals as well and you know they're definitely a part of our daily lifestyles and make life so much better when we have them around us to you know help calm us down or i feel like my dog she really like helps me regulate my emotions cuz i know i can like go give her a cuddle and Sometimes she doesn't want it because I have too many emotions. <laughs> so I also have to be kind and compassionate to her ability to be there for me. Like we're there for each other and we kind of trade off. It's like a, a real relationship, a real give and take. Absolutely. I think that kind of points to something I see a lot also, just animals being very in tune with us and our energy and our emotions already a lot of the time too. And uh, you'll get different animals having different capacity for <laughs> for that for how much they can sort of hold of, of that stuff and uh it can it can be really helpful to to point us again inwards so that we're aware of kind of what energy we're holding in the moment mm. and sometimes I'll, I'll see a lot of the time animals uh, reflecting back their their humans emotions the humans really anxious the dog becoming very anxious and so on yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. People often tell me your dog and you are exactly the same. <laughs> We're both like afraid of strangers. <laughs> but yeah, she's only a little 10 pound dog. So, I mean, I have a lot of emotions, but especially being a double Pisces. So <laughs> sometimes I do have to be like, okay, I need to like process this on my own. I know you have a cat, right? Tell us about your animals. Yes. I have two cats. I have a guinea pig. And we now have a hamster as well. I'm not as close to the hamster yet, (laughs) but the others I'm quite close to. Gilly, who I talked about before, was a kitten way back, and she's still very food motivated. (laughs) She's still very good at communicating her needs with that. And uh, Humphrey, our other cat. um, And they're both very, very active in teaching my students uh, how to (laughs) communicate with animals. And our guinea pig, Nutmeg, is a special guinea pig in that he came from a, a rescue um, and he was part of a, a big op- a big rescue operation here in Portland. Somebody had been somehow in their house ended up with 250 guinea pigs. Normally, guinea pigs like to be at least in pairs or groups. Um, and uh, this guinea pig, when he came to us, he was like, nope, I am not. Has, I do not want to see another guinea pig for the rest of my life. Ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily for him, our other guinea pig passed away. So he's he's a solo, solo piggy now. Wow. What are some other messages that, you know, either your pets or animals have given you? I mean, you mentioned the food thing, but. What are some other things just out of curiosity? So living animals, gosh, it's a lot of just like everyday stuff, you know, <laughs> Gilly, who I talked about, who she's very communicative overall. So she's both a very vocal cat as well as very um, actively telepathically communicative as well and very good at it. And and I find that you'll find different animals have different abilities within communication. Some are very interested in communicating and others are less interested in doing it. And Gilly is very interested. <laughs> so um, like I said, she's been very instrumental in both teaching me animal communication as well as helping me learn how it works. And quite early on with my development with animal communication, I joined a practice circle for others who are also wanting to practice their animal communication. And I had asked the rest of the group to connect to my other cat, Humphrey. And I had given them a picture of Humphrey for them to connect to, and they didn't know anything about us or our home and all of that. So so while they were connecting, I went off to my bedroom to just sit and meditate. So this was all online, by the way. So I was uh, in my bedroom meditating, waiting for them to send the responses of what Humphrey was going to communicate to them. And as I was meditating, my cat Gilly jumped up onto the bed and I heard clear as day in my, in, in my head, I just uh, talked to some people. (laughs) (laughs) So Gilly uh, was telling me she had just been talking to people and I sort of brushed it off. I was like, that can't be possible. Humphrey's the one who's supposed to be talking to them, you know, just Mm. kind of uh, took it with a large grain of salt. And then when I went to check everybody's responses, sure enough, the information they provided was a hundred percent about Gailey. (laughs) (laughs) So this was my sort of realization of, of, um, how sometimes animal communication can work is that sometimes it's a bit like a group call between all the animals that live in the home. Sometimes they will talk over each other. Sometimes you intend to connect to the one and it's another one that wants to talk to you. And it's, I sometimes affectionately call it 
an animal hijacking conversation. <laughs> and uh, if they want to, they will do that. So that's kind of like in a mediumship reading, I've seen sometimes where maybe you're there to connect with like a particular person. And then like another family member comes in and has all these messages for you. <laughs> Absolutely. It's one of those things. To me, what's so great about that is it shows that it is like an active experience of communicating with like these live this living intelligence, you know, that um, that you can't control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can try to, but they're going to do what they want to do. And uh, and I find that it just adds a lot of uh, fun to it sometimes and, and sometimes some frustration, too. But mm -hmm. A lot of our listeners are already very intuitive, and if they wanted to strengthen their intuition so that they could speak with animals or even other spirits, I guess, um, what would you suggest? What are some of your tips on how to get started with that? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And um, one of the steps that I always recommend people do that I know some people will not like <laughs> is that step of meditation. Or something, some kind of practice that helps you practice quieting the logical thinking brain so that you can hear the subtle energy from whatever it is that you're wanting to tune into. Because the impressions that we're getting from any energy, whether it's from an animal or a loved one in the spirit world, or if we're tuning in psychically to something, the energy that's being communicated to us is often very subtle. It's not always going to be a hit you over the head kind of feeling <laughs> or impression. And so we we do need to quiet down a lot of the, the other sort of loud, <laughs> uh, loud things going on in our own brains so that we can notice those impressions. Meditation is really helpful for that, but it doesn't have to be, you know, sitting down meditation where you're just thinking about nothing. It could be anything that kind of helps you quiet down the logical brain and helps you get present and centered. And then the other thing that I always recommend people do is, is um, finding some way to practice the type of reading or type of um, connection that they want to explore. Certainly there are classes out there, but it's through the practice where I find that most people are going to find the most forward movement with their own abilities. You can read as many books as you want in the world, but there's nothing that's really going to actually help you gain confidence and help you learn how to do it more than actually just practicing. Mm -hmm. So don't give up if you don't hear back right away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Don't give up. And also even with your own animals, I find that there can be so many sort of mental minefields around that, that can make it a little tricky to hear something back from our animals. There could be, you know, first of all, you already know your animals really well already. So uh, there is less opportunity to be able to bring through information that can act as evidence for you that you really are connecting. You know, when you're connecting to somebody else's animals, you're getting feedback from their person, whether or not the information makes sense, you know? Uh, there's less of opportunity to do that with your own animals because you already know <laughs> most things about them. And so the evidence, in a sense, that you really are connecting and communicating with them is in a few different ways. First of all, your bond strengthening, and also in the way that they are responding to you and your energy. 
if somebody wants to connect to their own animals, I always recommend them to, first of all, just start spending some quiet time together with them without any expectations around any kind of communication from them. And just practice sending your animal loving thoughts or whatever it is that you want to communicate with them, but without any any expectations on any responses back, but more just spending that quiet time together so that you can kind of learn to release your own expectations, learn to quiet down your logical thinking brain and just be present with them. And from that, you might start to notice some more subtle energy coming back from your animal of them communicating with you as well. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this is something that animals also need to learn? Like they have to learn to hone their ability to communicate? Or do you think it's something that comes naturally to them? I know it's kind of hard to answer that. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I think it's, it's just as much as for humans, right? So I think every if you have a soul, <laughs> I think it is a natural part of being an individual soul wanting to connect with other souls and share with them whatever it is, you know? And that is something that also animals have. They are souls within bodies as well. And of course, humans and animals have all kinds of ways of communicating with each other that aren't just the the telepathic communication. It's, you know, mm -hmm. vocal language, we have body language and so on. But also within animals, just like within humans, it is a natural ability to be able to communicate through energy as well, soul to soul or heart to heart with each other. However, just like with humans, we all have varying abilities to communicate. For some, it's going to feel much more natural to be able to do that more easily than for others. And um, I do think it can be a little bit like a skill. Sometimes I have connected to living animals that the first time we try, it's a little clunky. <laughs> Could be from my end that I'm having a hard time fully understanding what the animal is wanting to share and so on. We kind of make it work. And then the second time I try communicating with them, it's a little easier, you know, and um, if they've never had an animal communicator talk to them before, or had that opportunity fully, you know, it can be a little bit of a, you get, get a little used to it, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I find that as well, for sure. Yeah. They're like, I'm hearing voices. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is though, that I think all of us humans, we already are communicating a lot with our own animals without even realizing it or without even um, meaning to, you know, because when we're talking, when we're, even when we're talking out loud to our animals, we're automatically sending them the energy of what we're trying to communicate as well. It's sort of always happening in a lot of ways. Not only are we using our words, we're also kind of imagining the thing we're wanting to communicate. We might be feeling the things and, and we're directing that communication to them kind of just as a natural thing that we don't even realize we're doing. And they're already probably <laughs> trying to communicate in the same way to us as well with their energy. Mm -hmm. So I, I find a lot of the time with developing your own animal communication abilities, it's realizing how you're already doing it, you know, um, and then trying to do it in a more conscious way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And practicing. Yes. Practicing too. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's so cool. I know you've written a book on how we can connect with our animal intuition as well. And it just came out. It's so beautiful. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Uh, So I've just written a book, just came out called Animal Intuition, Communicating with Pets, Animal Spirits, and the Energies of the Natural World. And I've essentially written out all the ins and outs of animal communication, the basics of how it works, how to do it, um, working through any of the main sort of challenges that most people have when they're starting out and trying it out. And also I go into talking about how you can use animal communication to work through behavioral challenges with your animals. So various, you know, anxiety or um, separation anxiety, sleep challenges if your animal keeps waking you up at night, (laughs) that kind of thing, how to use animal communication to work through those issues together with your animal. And I also talk about how to connect to animals that have passed away as well. I love that because if you went to a vet, and I'm sure there are some really great intuitive vets out there, but most of the time I would assume they would be like, here, take some medication to get your dog to calm down or take a supplement or something. And they certainly couldn't connect to your past pets. (laughs) So this is really cool that you can take it to this much deeper level where you really do, you get to the core of what's really going on so you can actually solve it effectively. Yeah. Or at least use it as an additional tool. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you, obviously I, I love vets and I'm always a proponent of working with your vet as well, <laughs> but yes. having the additional tool of the animal communication is so helpful because yeah, everybody is just trying to navigate how can they take care of their animals better. And um, that's tricky when they don't talk like other humans talk. <laughs> so we don't, yeah. we're, we're, if we don't have that communication, but it can be some, sometimes it's hard. We feel like we're guessing what's going on. Yeah, definitely. On the practitioner side of things, what would you say has been the hardest thing about running your own spiritual business? And like, what advice would you have for someone who's maybe just starting out as a spiritual entrepreneur? The hardest thing, goodness, there's a few different things uh, that have been challenging. Um, I find, first of all, I think having persistence is really, really helpful when you're building your business. Uh, Not taking, like if it's a slow start to building your business, not taking that as a sign that you're not supposed to be doing it or that it's not working out. For some, it really just is a slow build. (laughs) And with this kind of work in particular, I find that it is the type of work that does kind of rely on word of mouth. Like the sessions themselves, they speak for themselves in a way that if somebody comes to you for a session and they feel like it helped them in some way, them sharing that with others around them, that's kind of what I find to be one of the most helpful ways to build a business. So really focusing on that, on on encouraging that word of mouth. And also people who are just starting out with any kind of intuitive business where they're doing readings for others, I do recommend that if they're not ready yet to start charging money, at least maybe asking for testimonials in return for a reading, you know, also as another way to build their business. But in terms of other frustrations, I think having boundaries around it has been hard. (laughs) 
have built balance is always a tricky one for me, uh, especially working with animals. You know, there's a lot of very ill animals or just there can be so many situations in which I want to help everybody, <laughs> but I literally cannot. And having boundaries around it and protecting my own energy by not overworking has been tricky. And especially starting off, you know, when you're just starting off doing readings, you tend to be very excited about it, <laughs> you know, and wanting to help everybody and do as much as you can. And then you kind of come to a point where you're like a little less, <laughs> not jaded, but a little less excited, maybe, and, and a little more exhausted. And so that's been tricky to um, navigate. Mm -hmm. Even when you're doing what you love, we can do too much of it sometimes. And we are meant to be multifaceted. There's so many areas of life that are important to pay attention to. And I do think in society, like even I am guilty of this as well. We glorify the work we do for others as like the most important reason we're here. And actually we have our own spiritual mission to do that's more internally focused around how we're meant to grow too. So, you know, we have to have time for that and it's only going to make us a more effective helper in the end, right? Yes. That's a very, very good point. Yes. Oh, this is so exciting. So I know besides your book, which is beautiful and everyone should definitely go check that out. You also offer one-on-one -on -one sessions. So if people did want to come to you directly and work with you, they could do that. Or even better, you can learn how to do it yourself through Taya's course that's coming up in September. Yes, I am teaching a beginner's animal communication course. I usually teach this course twice a year. It's it's online and it's a mix of pre-recorded modules as well as live classes. And if anybody did want to sign up for it, I do have a code for it for $40 off the course. And the code is animal intuition, all in one word. Yeah. If any listeners uh, wanted to dip their toe into it. Love it. Yeah. Become your own animal communication expert. Why not? <laughs> yes. Add it to your list of skills. Yes. Thank you so much for being here with me, Taya. It's been so much fun getting to know you and hearing more about your work. And yeah, I'm just really excited for more people to open up to this world of even just realizing like this is something you can do and something to be open to um, playing with. Are there any last thoughts that you want to share with everyone before we go? I think everybody, like I mentioned before, I think everybody's more intuitive than they even realize, actually, uh, kind of also going off of my own experience, not realizing really uh, how I could communicate or connect um, until I tried. <laughs> and I think that goes for everybody, really, that we're much more in tune than we even think. And uh, I also think that if it's something that draws you, that uh, it's always worth exploring whether or not you end up becoming a professional within the intuitive field or not. But um, I always find that there's a reason why we're drawn to it. So if anything, I hope people can open up to the idea that they themselves can, can connect uh, even probably even more than they think they can. If you'd like to learn more about Taya and her work, you can visit her online at tayahealer.com. That's T-H-E-A healer.com. And I will have the link for the book and all of the different sessions and course and everything in the show notes for anyone who's interested. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day, everybody. 
for more information on how to use astrology to find your cosmic calling and sign up for astrology email updates, check out soulshineastrology.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review for The Cosmic Calling to help other cool people like us find the show. The Cosmic Calling community is a gathering place for listeners of the show to connect more deeply with fellow like-minded spiritual seekers. Join us for astrology classes, monthly forecasts, cosmic planning tools, plus bonus features for these podcast episodes by going to soulshineastrology.com community.